original investigators believe he murdered her. They yeah. just can't prove it. It's my first initial call to the private investigator working on my dad's case. My wife jumps up from the table and says, God, who is this man coming in the backyard? I divorced him because I couldn't trust him at all. He lied to me at the very beginning. He was living two separate lives. In the water about 30 yards away, and I identified it as it was a person. We're currently listening to season two of Ashes to Ash TV, What Happened to Carolyn Blankenfeld? Episode 14, Challenge Accepted. Then when uh, she passed away, it was like her death haunted me night after night after night. It was, there was no peace. There was, it was not peaceful here anymore. It, um... Did you feel an uneasiness about what had occurred? Uh, uneasiness, lots of questions, lots of things didn't add up. Chris's letter to Annie and Bree reminds us. You realize that Buddy was in love with Carolyn, right? They had this love affair thing going, which all of the neighbors thought was shady and warned me about. Do you realize that our little crew there in Lillian was much more than us and Buddy, right? I knew there was nothing sexual about their relationship. It was just different. I accepted it because I loved Carolyn. I still love Carolyn, and I loved Buddy. Had you bothered talking to any of our other neighbors, you could have gotten this information. But no, you chose to seek out and talk to only Buddy, who sits in his chair all day, drinks scotch, and watches crime and war stories on TV, or read books with the same content and mourns Carolyn. We decided to talk to Nathan, Chris and Carolyn's neighbor, when Carolyn passed away. So when did you first meet Chris? I met Carolyn first. Um, driving through the neighborhood one day, I came down the back roads and she kind of flagged me down and she recognized me and I was like, hey, stranger. And she said, hey, you're the new neighbor. I met your wife and kids already and basically started talking to me like she already knew me. We also spoke with Jeannie and Bonnie, neighbors of Chris and Carolyn at the time. So you've been in the neighborhood for a while and then you mm -hmm. moved here three years three ago. years ago. So can you when did you move here? I think 13, 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. And Carolyn didn't live there yet. When they moved into the neighborhood, what was your first impression? When I first saw them, they were driving up Plaza Bianco on their motorcycle and they both raved to me and I said, oh, wow, they're nice people. And she was so friendly to us and so was Jeannie. So we just thought we were in just the perfect neighborhood. Then we spoke to Aubrey, yet another neighbor of Chris and Carolyn's. Carolyn kind of became like a second mom figure to me just over that day of meeting her. We bonded so much. She would, we had stories to tell of each other. We were girl gossiping and this and that. So it was really nice being with her and having a new friend living here. And what was your first impression of Chris? It just seemed like a, a regular guy. So how did you guys end up working at Austell together? I ended up having trouble after moving down here with personal training. That's what I was doing when okay. I moved down here. He came out and said, hey, anytime you're ready for a real job, you let me know. And I'm like, well, okay. And so we started talking and he said, I'll get you the interview, but you got to do the rest. 
I ended up getting the interview and I got the job. And Were you working like directly under him or just a different part of the company or? It's directly under him, but he was a couple levels above. After that, we also interviewed Rebecca. You guessed it, another neighbor of Chris and Carolyn's. Talk to me a little bit about the first time that you met Chris and Carolyn. Were, like, were you guys in the neighborhood before them? No, they were here first. Okay. We moved July 2016, and I didn't actually meet them for the first time until a couple days before Halloween that year. I was setting up decorations. I guess they were walking up to Buddy's house to do Scotch 30. Okay. And they stopped, and they were like, hey, new neighbor. Then we had a chance to speak with Nick, yet another neighbor. How long have you lived here for? I've lived back in Alabama for probably the last five years. I was gone for maybe eight and lived here for another 15 before that. And when you came back here, was did you move into almost being neighbors of Chris and Carolyn? Yes. First time I met them was probably over 10 years ago when I first met Bree and then I happened to stop by with some friends and we met them when they were living in Lake Forest. And what was kind of your impression of them when you first met them? Chris was just a somebody with a spoon up his ass pretty much and Carolyn was just like a free spirit, just loves everybody. And you picked that up right away, both yes. of those things. Interesting. Did you, because you kind of felt like that about Chris, you kind of keep him at arm's length? Or did you just treat him like another buddy when you would see him? Or you didn't see him like on the kind of friend level? He was okay to be around. It was just more or less awkward. He was able to make things awkward. Just the way his mannerisms, the way he talked to people, mm -hmm. he would just make things awkward. And instead of making a big deal out of it, he just let it slide. Did you think the way he talked to people was like, inappropriate or frustrating or it just was kind of awkward? It was just an ass. Back to Rebecca. We never saw it, but Chris would tell us, oh, Caroline's off her meds. She's not doing good right now. Don't mm -hmm. believe a word she's saying, you know, things like that. Did you, um, did you take that to be genuine or did you, looking back, do you think it was something he was planting something there? I honestly never took anything Chris said after a certain point of knowing him that it was genuine. Interesting. What, what made you kind of keep that wall up. It's his personality, the way he he knows everything. He's better than everybody. He he you know, he's constantly arguing like facts and stuff when we were up at Scotch 30. He just seemed so fake. Back to Nathan. So what made you stop working there? A couple of different things. One, I started getting a little uncomfortable because we started having a falling out with Chris and Carolyn and just working there, you could even though we were really good at keeping business and personal relationship kind of separated. It started bleeding into it. Okay. And I just didn't feel comfortable. How long did you work there total? 11 months. 11. So when you finally left Austell, did you guys start talking again or the relationship stayed strained? Like you're a cancer in my life. I, we're neighbors, so I will be friendly because that's what neighbors should do. Mm -hmm. We'll be neighborly but we're not friends anymore, is kind of the way I looked at it. When you kind of were more friendly and hanging out, did he ever tell you what he used to do, like job-wise or anything? He talked about how he, when he grew up, he was in the Coast Guard, he was uh, special forces in the Coast Guard. He used to demilitarize nuclear weapons and like all this high-speed stuff. When he told you that stuff, did you just kind of believe it? Or? In the beginning, of course, yeah. I mean, I had first met the guy, I took him for his word. He didn't give me any reasons in the beginning to not trust what he was saying. Mm -hmm. But as time went on, it just, things didn't add up to what he was saying versus 
what he was doing in real life. Did he ever go into detail about that? Only enough that you could find online, the same stuff that you could Google about demilitarization of nuclear weapons. Because he would talk to me about it, I'm like, holy crap, this dude's kind of smart, kind of genius. And I'd get online, like, I'm interested in what he's talking about. And everything he would talk about were all the same main things that you can find online. It was nothing special. Chris was basically a shopkeeper in the Coast Guard. Yeah, that, that makes more sense. Back to Nick. I saw Carolyn five, six days a week. There wasn't a week go by that everyone in this neighborhood wouldn't be over at my dad's house relaxing, having Scotch 30 and just getting along. Being able to let loose and just talk and BS with everybody. And that, I mean, she would come up, bring everyone food. Uh, she would make things for her neighbors and everything like that. She, she loved making things. She loved cooking and she loved riding motorcycles. Every chance she get, that's what she would be doing. And that was, that was where she was happy. And it just seemed like she spent as little time down there as she could. If she could be out on a bike all day, she would do that. If she could be out in the workshop all day, she would be doing that. And back to Rebecca. Did you guys go hang out at Buddy's a lot at that time during Scotch 30? God, we hung out there for probably about over a year. It was off and on. I didn't go as often as my husband did because I was in the Navy at the time and was working late. I'd stop by in my uniform or whatnot and hang out there. Back to Jeannie and Bonnie. Did you guys ever go over to the Scotch 30? Were you guys part of that group that hung out over there? No, I went maybe once or twice, but I, I really didn't have anything in common. I mean, I don't drink or anything. Yeah. But I mean, we knew all of them. Yeah. They're all nice people. It seemed like a pretty close neighborhood. I mean, compared to yeah. other neighborhoods. Yeah. I mean, not like, yeah. it wasn't like suit, but it's still, I'm, everyone seems mm -hmm. to know who lives in what house and yeah. a little bit about them. And I, I don't think you see that. I don't know as many people. I always ask Jeannie who they are. <laughs> she knows everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and Rebecca. I saw Carolyn, she would walk up there mm -hmm. a lot during the day. And uh, I was told that it was when, you know, they get up and they have their morning coffees and stuff like that. Because yeah. um, Chris was at work. And then Scotch 30, uh, Carolyn was always there first, and then Chris would come by when he got out of work. He'd always pull straight in the driveway oh, before nice. going home. <laughs> like, <laughs> coming to get a Scotch. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Nick. There would be several times when uh, we'd all be socializing, and just, it was constant pick, pick, little, little picks all the time. There'd be times when Carolyn would get ready to just, just go to leave the house to go get a hotel, and she would actually stay with us in our guest room. No, you don't have to go get a hotel. Stay up here tomorrow. Everything will be all right and go about your day. How many times would you say that happened? Probably in, in one year, maybe three times. There's been several times where she would just, uh, they would have an argument and she would just go get on her bike or go get in a vehicle and just leave, just drive, go away. So did it seem like kind of a tumultuous kind of love-hate relationship to you? It, it's hard to explain the relationship because I didn't try to pry into their relationship of because of didn't want to be, hey, is everything okay or anything like that? Because, but we, we were always there for her in case something was an issue. But when she was hanging out in a group with us or when we would go riding, completely night and day, you could tell. Like she was just a lot happier. Whenever we got to go ride, it was like just a weight off her shoulders. She could just relax and be herself. And more from Jeannie and Bonnie. Had you seen her like out doing yard work or kayaking or things that would exert some energy or you'd need oh, yeah. to be strong oh, yeah. to do? Oh she yeah. She was always doing uh, yard work. 
always, and she would help anybody. The last time I saw her, she's walking across the yard and she's going to Jeannie's house to fix something. <laughs> but sometimes she would have a rifle and she would be going to shoot a, a snake in Jeannie's yeah. yard. So I figured he got her at a weak point. Mm -hmm. I figured if he had tried to, uh, he, he was probably afraid she'd shoot him because <laughs> she had a gun oh, and absolutely. she knew how to use it. So right. I think he Strong. took her in the water where it was a little easier. Nathan says she was a little tornado, but she was, and she, she wasn't afraid to stand her ground. Didn't matter. Mm -hmm. There were times she'd talk about getting stuck with her motorcycle and people would come asking her guys, can I, can I help you? And she'd say, you stay away from me. I can handle my own motorcycle. I mean, she was like five foot, nothing, 120 pounds. And, uh, but she had the will of a, you know, a monster. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she was tough. Aubrey explains. She was very mother mothering. She loved to mother me. She loved to get things for me, take me out, go places. There was one thing I actually remember before she passed. It was like a year or two before she passed. She had told me that she was going to teach me to drive stick. And by the time I turned 16, it was just she, she passed. She never got to teach me, but she wanted to so bad. Nathan then says, And how many times would you say you hung out with Chris like one-on-one? -on -one? Quite a few just hanging out on the porch. Okay. I mean, we only went out a couple of times, okay. but just one-on-one -on -one hanging out talking. There was a lot hanging out in his garage, working on his hot rod with him, working on motorcycles with him, helping him do stuff, you know. Yeah, quite a bit. So did you ever hear him express any concerns about Carolyn having an affair? Well, near the end, he was making it a very strong point that she's had affairs on him in the past, and he doesn't think it's going to be the last time. Rebecca explains. Do you ever think, uh, like initially, that there was any issues or did anything seem strange as them as a couple or? Initially, no. Okay. And then things slowly started getting worse. 2017 was when we really started noticing it. The more we hung out there and everything. And then my husband started working for Chris at Austell. And then Chris, and when we'd have Scotch 30, they would have conversations about work and, and whatnot or something, you know. And yeah. it just kind of started getting very hostile at Scotch 30. Did you ever see him and uh, Chris and Carolyn get into it at Scotch 30 or wasn't nothing like that? Not really arguing and fighting, but there was definitely quite a few situations that made us very uncomfortable. Mm. What was it just like the tone someone was talking to the other one or looks or, or you, it just was a feeling? So there was one situation where we were up there at Scotch 30. It was just me, Chris, Carolyn, my husband and Buddy. Nathan had just nonchalantly said something about Chris going over to, I guess it was a coworker's house or something or some kind of party like that. Okay. Because Chris had told Nathan at work, hey, I went over to this person's house or whatever. I accidentally outed him about a party he went to. According to him, this was a family get together. His, even her mom, her husband's mom and dad were there. Like everyone was there. It was like a big get together, yeah. uh, barbecue. But if that was the case, I don't understand what the big deal was, but I guess Carolyn wasn't supposed to know he was there. But Nathan didn't know he wasn't supposed to say it in front of Carolyn. And we were just hanging out, having a good time. And I just blurted it out. And he said, I said, yeah, when you went to business, he said, no, I didn't. I was like, dude, yes you did. We just had this conversation. No, I didn't. Are, are you out of your mind? No, dude, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't, I didn't go there. I wasn't there. 
Finally, because I've had a few drinks, it clicked. Oh crap, dude, shut up. Nathan went in to go grab another beer. Carolyn followed him in there and started questioning. On my way back out, before I could get to that front door, the door opened and closed and Carolyn had me cornered, basically, and said, what are you talking about? What party? Whose house? Okay, yes, you got me cornered. Is this what you want? I'm sorry. And I just, I walked out. And then after that, I literally, I was in tears. I came home and I was bawling because I felt like I had a hand in like ruining part of their marriage because she, I knew she was furious. I could see how pissed she was. And I'm like, I've been married long enough. I know what this means, you know? So I came home and I was a wreck. I, was, I called him crying like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't know. That's a hefty burden though to place on a friend even. Cause like, I you don't yeah, want to. and I thought them. about it, now I'm angry about yeah. it. I'm like, why would you put me in that position? Yeah. And why would you make me feel that bad? That I was in tears, like I feel like I ruined my friend's marriage. And in reality, it's your fault, dude, your fault. Why weren't you honest with your wife? But no, there was nothing. And then it was just, here's your guilt. And then when Nathan would come out back outside, Chris was, you know, very rude to Nathan. Like Nathan should have known, you know, that yeah. he's not to say something like that. Did you guys interpret like why he was trying to keep it a secret? Was there like, did you guys think anything of it, or you were just like, that's weird? I came to the conclusion that there was might have been some infidelity somewhere mm -hmm. in the marriage because why else would you hide that you're going over to? And it was a woman. Okay. Yeah. Why would you hide from your wife that you're going over to another woman's house? Also, just a reminder to everyone, if you can subscribe, please do. If you do subscribe, you get to see episodes early, discounted merchandise, you get to see uncut interviews, and you also get to be part of the private Facebook subscriber group. And there we do personal Q&As. So you have a little more access to the crew and to asking questions and getting those answered. Obviously the show is always free because that's how we get in tips and solve these cases. So if you have the ability to be able to help us out and subscribe, that money just goes back into funding these investigations. And if not, we still appreciate you watching. So please keep watching on the normal schedule. Ashes to ashtv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. Preview for season three. She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. They came straight in. We don't, we don't find any signs of foul play. You don't think it's odd that a child rolled up in a gym mat in high school is foul play? saying that he dove into the mat to retrieve his shoe, but the family has suspected foul play since that January day. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. It's the second time Jacqueline Johnson cried next to her son Kendrick's grave. The first time he was being lowered into the ground. This time he's being pulled out of it. And when we buried Kendrick, we thought we was buried Kendrick, not half of Kendrick. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side, is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide.
so many different versions of the story out there. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. They took this cover for somebody and just threw it up on the rug like this will go away. It might go away to y'all, but we're not letting it go away. <laughs> You can just tell death had come through our family, and it just settled. Continuing with Nick, when did you kind of notice that her and Buddy's relationship were get, was getting closer? Probably after a year of being home, I saw something, and they both, they, I, I knew what it was. But again, I couldn't knock them because I saw how that relationship was versus how she was when she was around my dad and other people. It was just, she was free. She was happy. Yeah, just different. That, that's, that's all I could say. I mean, it's hard to say it was the right thing to do. Of course. Given circumstances, but if, if she would have had her way, she probably would have been done with that relationship. And, her and my dad would have been together. So she was, she was family. Audrey then explains. But I did hear a couple times that she wasn't happy and she would say stuff like, he doesn't listen to me and he doesn't uh, want me around. Bonnie and Janine then reminisce. It sounded like you guys had, or you had witnessed some fights. Is that right? Or well, heard? heard? Heard. What was that, did it, was it just like every so often or had it started to increase? It was ever so often and sometimes they, they would fight, fight, fight. And then you would see them walking hand in hand down to the beach. You know, mm -hmm. it was like, okay. <laughs> so you kind of just pictured it as like kind of a tumultuous relationship, but. Well, and a lot of times you wouldn't see Carolyn for about two weeks, mm -hmm. right? Wow. She said and she was knew. in a dark place. Okay something happened but she never really confided in me about any of the fighting yeah. she did bonnie she said i what when we're not getting along i just shut myself in yeah. and so i respected that and i didn't you know didn't ask any other questions or one day i'm out working in the yard and she comes we kind of meet in the street and start talking and she said, he wants out. She was crying. She said, he wants out after 17 or 18 years. It was a long time, but I don't remember the exact amount of time. Right. And I told her, I said, well, you know, sometimes when people are angry, they say things they don't really mean. Yeah. So I would try, and I didn't ask her any questions. I wish now I'd asked more questions yeah. as to what was really going on, but I, I didn't want to be nosy. And When she had come over and said that he's done that time, how long was that before? Would you say, it doesn't have to be exact, but was it like a year before, a month before she It was quite, uh, quite some time before. Oh, okay. Uh, it was maybe six months, maybe eight months. I don't know the exact amount of time but yeah. but then I would see them walking down to the water mm -hmm. holding hands and I'm going okay guess everything's okay yeah but right before uh, she drowned she went away for two weeks to well, their cabin by herself with her dogs and it was because they weren't getting along but when she took off and went to the cabin in Georgia he tried to make me think that it was all her fault. So he... And I kind of fell for it, 
I did because he, I don't know, just the way he presented it, I thought, oh, Carolyn, how could you be so mean to him? Who, how did that conversation come about? Do you remember? No. All I know is he said that she took off in the Jeep and just went to Georgia, and like at 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that, and they must have been fighting. Back to Nick. Did you also get the impression that she was potentially going to leave Chris at the end of the month? I knew for some time. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know that that was going to happen, but I knew things were moving in that direction. I, I, I knew that wasn't going to last, especially with the constant infighting. And just when she went down there, she wasn't happy. So she would stay around us and she was happy. So I knew that that was a real big possibility that, that was going to happen. One night, we were sitting out watching this, looking at the stars. Rick will go out there and he'll say, come here, Bonnie, you know, because the sky will be lit up. And they were arguing so loud that we could hear them all the way across the street at our house. And she's yelling and crying for hours. I mean, it. I had to come in. I couldn't take it anymore. The only thing that, you know, you could hear her just yelling, yelling, yelling and crying. The only thing you could hear from him, Rick said he heard him say, well, what do you want me to do about it? As a matter of fact, when she told me they were not getting along, she told me that he wanted out after all those years. I thought, well, I would think it would be the other way around. I would think you would want out. Yeah, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't realize, you know, I thought, well, that's strange. Well, the morning of their death, I was sitting on my sun porch, which overlooks here, my brother and I, and we saw Carolyn and Chris holding hands. She had her basket, and I said, oh, there's the wine. <laughs> and that night when the sheriff knocked on my door and told me. When you saw her that morning with the picnic basket, do you know around what time that was? or? Mm -hmm. About 11 o'clock. Did you get the impression that she was headed to the dock at that point to meet up with him or? No, they both walked right down, right there at the water, okay. at the ramp. And I don't know where they got on the boat. I don't know. The day that they went out in the boat, when did you first know that, that either they couldn't find both of them or was it not until they started finding them that you found out? I got a call from my dad probably about six, seven o'clock at night uh, while I was at work, and they're saying that their boat was found. So I told he just came up to work. I told work, hey, I gotta go. We're going to where their boat's found. And uh, that, from there on there, it was just a, a waiting game. But like the last we heard, uh, we our old neighbor, uh, Keith, he got a text message from Chris. Hey, we're out on the boat. It was just weird, that, but okay. And uh, then no one's heard from them, and then they're boat was found with both their dogs and multiple cell phones. It just didn't make sense. And Jeannie, when she told me about, we were at my granddaughter's wedding, and Jeannie told me that she was missing. And oh, wow. I said, well, I, that they had been out on the boat together and Carol, the boat, they found the boat. I said, well, I hope they weren't fighting. That's the first thing that comes to my mind on the telephone. <laughs> And when she told me she was missing, I said, well, I hope they weren't fighting. And when the sheriff came to your house, that was before they had found Carolyn, correct? Oh, yes. Did you think that she might still be out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought she'd be alive. I f yeah, I did. Because she was strong. She was a strong little, <laughs> little bitty person that she was. She was feisty and...
she could do she rode anything. her motorcycle every morning and it's just hard to believe somebody so full of life is no longer here and it's just upsetting it really is because yeah. she was a good person then nathan and rebecca recount can you describe what happened when you first learned that the, they were missing my husband and i were sitting down watching tv and we had the blinds open and i saw a sheriff with lights mm -hmm. come flying down the road and my husband and i both looked at each other and the first things out of our mouths were chris killed carolyn like, just the first thing that came out of our mouth, you know, like, ha, 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 but not really. Like, you know, like, you don't really wish that. <laughs> mm hmm And so we still didn't know. We were just like, okay, whatever. And it, because it's strange, because this is an older neighborhood, and to see, you know, police racing down like they were definitely caught our attention. I guess we went outside to go see where they were headed. We saw Ed coming down the street, and he had told us that Chris and Carolyn went out on the pontoon in that they're both missing at that point. So even before that was said to you, you just saw a sheriff's car go by. Were you kind of like joking? It was meant to be a joke. It's still like what I think happened still just blows my mind. And he said, yeah, Chris and Carolyn have been gone all day on the boat and they're missing. And I said, get out of here, man. What do you mean they're missing? Yeah. You know, they're not missing. He's like, no, they're, they're missing. Nobody knows where they're at. No one can find them. No one knows what's going on. And I said, oh, you know, I start realizing it's starting to sink in now, like, you're serious. You know, hopefully everything's okay. You know, now I'm starting to feel guilty about the little joke from the couch at this point. Yeah, then, a, what was it, a couple hours later or something, Ed came back over saying they found the boat. Chris was found up, washed up in his underwear, and he's at a hospital. And I'm like, okay, why is he in his underwear? I don't care how strong the water is, like, I've had my my shorts come down, but my shirt, it's not gonna come over my head, over both of my arms and come off. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, now maybe something did happen. Why the hell was he in his, where did his shirt go? He didn't, he wasn't the type of guy who's like, I'm gonna take my shirt off and flex. No, no you know, he, he liked to keep the shirt on. The only thing I can think of when it came to that, just my own opinion would be, you know, was it ripped? Was it torn? Was there some sort of evidence that had to get discarded? How the hell did you lose your shirt, dude? You know, I even asked him that too. I said, how'd you lose your shirt? Oh, the current was just so strong. Okay. I mean, where's your training? Where's your skill? Where's anything? Too much craziness that doesn't make any, any sense to me. Then Nick explains. And then uh, later that evening, they found Chris. He's, he's getting taken to the uh, emergency room. And the first thing we hear is from, I believe it was Austin, was saying that Chris said she jumped in. And just a reminder, Austin is Carolyn's son. Off a moving boat. Yeah. Carolyn isn't a swimmer. Right. It doesn't make sense. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino. Associate producer, Kate Giordano. Co-host production manager, Bree. Neighbors, Jeannie and Bonnie. Nick, Nathan, Rebecca and Aubrey. Crew member, Victoria Gockler. Music score, David Patino. To subscribe at the website, please go to ashes2ashtv.com. A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. If you know of any illegal activity involving this case, please reach out to your local law enforcement. If you would like to give a tip or information, we can keep you anonymous. Just email us at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV.